Thursday, June the 15th, 2023. I am Dan Rubin. This is the Bucknuts Morning 5 and Change. Had a week off, rested, semi-refreshed, truthfully not that rested. I will preface this by saying I've been having some Dayton-related technical difficulties. If this show glitches, I apologize in advance. You can see the lovely visages of Bill Curlick and Mark Porter. Let's do a little house cleaning here first. I have come on here before and asked you to subscribe to the YouTube page, subscribe to our podcast if you're on, you know, your Apple or your Stitcher. Here's another reason to do it. We are locked in a battle with the Michigan site for most subscriptions. They put out a list and it ranks them. And so you will see Ohio State, Michigan. If you want it to stay like that in the subscription race for us over your rivals up north, Please stop what you're doing right now. Just push pause and hit subscribe on whatever platform you're on. It helps tremendously. Please do that. Okay. Lots going on. Lots going on. Uh, First, I want to thank Dave Biddle for covering for me for the last week. He did yeoman's work. We all know that. Had a cool interview with Emeka Igbuka yesterday. That was exclusive. You should definitely check that out. Perhaps no more impressive representative of the program going these days. Great guy. So, camp today at Ohio State. The Elite 11 is going on out in Redondo Beach. These two guys will not be in Redondo Beach. They will be in Columbus. Uh, Air Nolan is carrying the, the water for Ohio State out there. We will check in on that. And there is plenty of coverage of that on the site right now. He finished in the top five after the first day. Definitely something you want to check out. Steve Wiltfong is there. Tons of other dudes. But we are going to talk about camp yesterday at Ohio State, camp today at Ohio State, some very interesting crystal balls being rolled. So, Bill, what did you see yesterday? Who should we know about? Are you rested and refreshed and hydrated for today? Ready to go. Uh, I'm fortunate. I have the 20 minute drive down to Ohio State while Mark has the three hour drive. So I'll take my drive over Mark's anytime. So, but I think we're both actually refreshed. Uh, Yesterday was an interesting day. We had Demarion Witten, the tight end, working with Keenan Bailey, fresh off his official visit to Kentucky, which went very well. Um, We had some New scholarship offers by the Buckeyes. In fact, four of them um, were extended. And um, we had some great plays. Uh, It was interesting. One play, two guys that got offered by Ohio State uh, were going against each other one-on-ones. It was uh, a wide receiver from Florida, Joshua Moore, a 2025 guy, and uh, Ethan Long, a 2025 Safety from Brunswick High School in Greenwich, Connecticut. 
is a teammate of Miles Walker, who signed with Ohio State, uh, was a teammate. So those two guys went off, squared off on a one-on-one, and, and uh, Long had great coverage on Joshua Moore. I mean, he was all over him. It was a deep pattern, but Joshua Moore leaps and makes a catch falling down. It was a spectacular play. Great. Well, it'll make a long story short, both of them got offered by the Buckeyes at the end of camp. Both of them are very interested in Ohio State for that matter. So uh, that was two interesting offers. And uh, Ethan Long has a teammate, uh, Matty Augustine, big offensive lineman, who is a 2025 kid. He also got an offer from the Buckeyes. And then the other offer went out to a uh, 2026 running back from Boca Raton, Florida, uh, Javian Mallory. So those were the four offer guys. And then Demarion Witten is the, was the other kind of key story, which I should mention. The Glenville group was there yesterday. Um, uh, Ted Ginn and, and, and his group were all there yesterday, uh, minus Bryce West. He is at the Elite 11, but uh, the Glenville group made it and some outstanding talent there. You've got Daniel uh, Hines, or Hines, I should say, uh, a young defensive end from Glenville. And then you've also got uh, Sincere Johnson among the guys, a, a young linebacker from Glenville. So those are guys that you want to keep their names in mind moving forward. I guess we should just address this as we go here. Uh, Josh Edwards, the Kentucky insider, rolled a crystal ball for Damarian Witten towards Kentucky. Now, crystal balls vary in size to me, but when you see the name of the school, an insider, you should take that with uh, some, I would say, more interest. Is that a fair thing to say? For example, if Bill Curlick weighs in an Ohio State player, you should know that kid's probably enrolled. So, Bill, Josh Edwards, Damarian Witten, your vibe. Uh, that's going to be interesting. Um, Witten, basically, I think, uh, you know, I've always felt he's going to end up at Ohio State, but I've always felt that the two schools are going to be Ohio State and Kentucky. And I still think that's what it's going to come down to. He had a really good visit. Kentucky is pushing. They don't have a tight end in their 2024 class. Well, they're pushing Ohio State already has a tight end in their class, Max LeBlanc. So that's something that Ohio State has to uh, uh, go up against. Um, Vince Morrow is recruiting him for Kentucky. He's their number one recruiter. Uh, they have a, a, a huge need um, for the tight end in that class. Whereas Ohio State, uh, Keenan Bailey is doing a great job recruiting. And I think that uh, after that crystal ball was rolled by Kentucky, um, yesterday, I guess yesterday morning, Keenan Bailey made his pitch at Ohio State's camp. He worked a lot with Damarian Witten, a lot with him. And I think it resonated. I think Damarian, you know, felt, felt good about that. Um, we actually have a story on our site about his visit and his camp experience. But Ohio State gets the, the, the last shot. He's going to make an official visit to Ohio State. Uh, the weekend of June 23rd, and we'll see how it comes out. At least for now, I've still got my crystal ball on Ohio State for him. But, again, keep in mind, Kentucky has a, a big need for Damarian Witten. Mark, Max LeBlanc and Damarian Witten. Compare them. How stressed should we be? Um, are we getting a 1 and 1A, a 1 and a 2? You know what I mean. Go ahead. 
Yeah, I, LeBlanc is, to me, the more classic Ohio State tight end. The guy that lines up in line, uh, can get you the edge, but he's also a really good receiver. One of the better receivers we've seen offered recently, but uh, the blocking acumen is what I think Ohio State's always looking for. That's what their guys go to the NFL for. Uh, Damarian Witten, okay, uh, his highlight film is all receiving. He doesn't block a soul on his highlight film. Uh, so he would be your move tight end or your kind of H-back type in, in the terms of today's football. He's not your traditional in-line guy. Ohio State really, um, Gee Scott's that kind of guy. I mean, they used him a little bit, but it's not their traditional guy. So if they were going to take two, these two contrast each other in a way that, okay, we didn't take the same guy twice or duplicate ourselves. But uh, if you were thinking, hey, there's two in a class and you know neither one of you uh, one of you's not going to start that type of thing. I think the writing might be on the wall, like Bill was saying. Uh, but definitely a contrast in these two styles of play. There are plenty of receiver types that you could move the tight end eventually, you know, if you wanted to. Uh, Witten is that guy who's already there, and he's making the transition to be a true tight end. In fact, that's one of the things that we were going to look for this year is, how much blocking is Witten doing on film? You know, what type of, is he doing it from the slot? Is he actually lined up at Y, you know, in line? Uh, so if you want to do a deep dive on those two, I think the better blocker is definitely not Witten. You know, Dan, I might add that uh, yesterday, Mark talking about the tight end, uh, Demarion's blocking. Well, lo and behold, Keenan Bailey was working one-on-one -on -one yesterday with Demarion Witten blocking and on the sled. So, and Demarion mentioned in the story we have on Bucknuts that he knows he has to improve his blocking. He hasn't done a lot of that. And he was getting great, uh, great coaching yesterday from Keenan Bailey. They were working on it. And I think, um, I think Demarion and, and, you know, felt better about it after working with Keenan Bailey yesterday individually on his blocking. We will keep a keen eye on that. Kentucky always comes through, though. Kentucky does do a good job also recruiting the Glenville kids, and they've always done a good job of zeroing in on maybe the one or two guys Ohio State didn't favor as much, and they've always known that. The reason Kentucky got competitive over the last X number of years was Mark D'Antonio's wake. They went and got the second guys in Ohio there for a while and had built their program up nicely. So – and, and Vince Morrow is a tight end. So, you know, he, he was a tight end at Toledo, and he was actually a senior when I was a freshman uh, at uh -oh. Kent State. So <laughs> I know that he's a connoisseur of tight ends, and we've definitely talked tight end many times. And I, and I know that he reminded Demarion, we want you to be our number one, not our number two. And that, that holds some weight. I think that does actually hold weight. Um, at Ohio State, you could get buried. I mean, it happens. Um, and if you're going to go to Kentucky, I think you can, they can probably, he can probably expect to get some true freshman reps at Kentucky that would not be on the table for him at Ohio State. So we'll see. Let's talk about today. You guys are, if you notice, the show's coming a tad early today. So you can both get out on the road. Another great day in Columbus. I think the weather will be. Equally as sunny, a little hotter today, but uh, Mother Nature has definitely complied. Bill, who will we see today? Who are you looking forward to seeing? And let the people know what we're going to be covering. One thing on that weather, uh, as as I was talking about with somebody at camp on uh, Monday and a little bit on Wednesday, 
Since when does Ohio State start holding their summer camps in the beginning of spring? It was so cool. I mean, we're talking camp in June at Ohio State in the low 60s. It was, uh, but it's not going to be that way today. Yeah. Today, though, we've got a, a high of 80 here in Columbus, so it'll be much more of a traditional camp weather day. Uh, I, I've, the, I've been in long pants twice this week, and I don't I didn't even have long pants. I almost had to run to the store and grab some. <laughs> well, I got my shorts on today. I'm ready. Um, but uh, the, the, to me, the headliner to watch today um, will be the quarterback. And when I say the quarterback – um, I mean, Tavian St. Clair. Uh, Tavian uh, camped at Michigan yesterday, and not surprisingly at all. Uh, I, in fact, I mentioned this uh, over a week ago, expecting him to get an offer from Michigan when he camped there yesterday, and lo and behold, that happened. So Tavian continues to be on a roll. Uh, his recent offers include now Michigan and Alabama. So the, the stakes are continuing to go up for, for Tavian St. Clair. He um, did not originally have this camp scheduled for Ohio State. He was just going to go to the uh, uh, team camp next week at Ohio State. But then um, he scheduled this camp, and he's going to be working, obviously, with Corey Dennis. And uh, that's also a, a chance for Corey Dennis to make yet another recruiting pitch to him. So that's kind of the uh, big one I'm going to be watching today. Mark, you, your thoughts yeah. on the emerging quarterback competition in Ohio. A year ago, this was not what it looked like. Um, and that's uh, – if you ever need evidence that we need to be chill when it comes to recruiting and let these guys kind of develop and grow, we've learned that. Tavian Sinclair to me, St. Clair to me – I mean, I'm just reading the tea leaves here, having done this for more years than I care to admit publicly – I feel like he's kind of separated himself from the pack here um, as a total package. Where am I on that? He has arrived, let's say. Um, I, I don't want to give away my man crush on him too much, but you're right. Uh, when I saw him last year, it got better. I mean, and I've seen him throughout time, and I, I saw him recently. And get ready for the rocket balls today. If, if he's not hands down the best quarterback at camp, I would be shocked, and if he doesn't separate himself from everybody at this camp, I'd be shocked. He has thrown the ball so pure with such a great spiral and so hard, and it really, he might be 6'4", 6'4 He's really getting big. I mean, I, I, I'm so impressed by what's going on in the weight room with him, and I said the same things about Ryan Montgomery a couple of weeks ago, how much bigger, but St. Clair, you could see the Alabamas and these other schools jumping in immediately. And it's one of these things where the secret's out. I mean, he played at Bellefontaine or uh, Bellefontaine, I'm sorry. It's, you know, you're kind of hidden. You're not in the Friday night spotlight of uh, many gurus and stuff like that. So, yeah, now that he's been to these seven-on-sevens and, you know, hit the streets like this, there's there's no hiding it. And today, uh, Bill, watch all the reporters follow him around that haven't seen him before because their, their jaws will be on the floor. And, and I expect – there's a lot of people today that haven't seen him live yet. So if, if, if I'm wrong about that, we can talk about it next week. But I, I'm, I'll pop, I'm slide my chips to the middle again. <laughs> yeah, I, I, by the way, I saw Tavian again at the end of March um, when they had the seven-on-seven seven at Wapakoneta. And um, uh, he's just not the same guy 
than he was a year ago. I mean, not even close, as Mark referred to. Uh, watching him uh, after his freshman season at the Ohio State team camp um, last June, uh, and then watching him uh, at, at Wapakoneta, you know, in late May this year, it, it's, it's what a transformation. Much bigger, throws much better, uh, much more poised. It's, you know, like I said, he's not the same guy. He's just I'm, a lot better. I'm trying to give someone a, a comparison in my mind. And I, I stood next to Braxton Miller at the, the Ohio State camp, and it's St. Clair is way bigger than Braxton Miller. I mean, it's not even – I mean, Braxton's bigger than I remembered. I mean, he's a good 6'2", six, 6'2 two, six, two and a half. And having stood in both next to those guys recently, St. Clair is more like the Cardell Jones. You know, so I saw Cardell Jones at the state championship, and, stood, and I, when I stand next to Cardell, he kind of towers over me, and I get that same feeling out of St. Clair where – he is so much bigger and more physical than what you see on his old tapes. You're, you're seeing a, a younger kid on the, the old film. I mean, it's amazing how that puberty does that to you when you're 16 years old. I mean, not just height, just thickens you up in the shoulders and gives you that manly structure in the neck. And I mean, it's great. It, it, I'm, I'm excited to get down there and, and see what other people think of him. Cause I think the reports coming out today, you're going to see the internet light up. Also, I might add that um, you mentioned Braxton Miller. You know, Braxton Miller uh, ran, ran, ran at Ohio State, and he was great at it. Uh, Tavian is a throw-first guy, and I used to use that uh, description with Joe Burrow when he's high school. Throw-first guy, but he keeps plays alive long enough to make that throw. Uh, Tavian is also a throw-first guy, but he's mobile. He's not Braxton Miller, but he's mobile, and he's a big guy with mobility. Remind me when we get down there today, Bill, to watch him go through the 40 if he runs today. Let's see if we can get a time on him. But uh, I bet it's 4-7-ish, uh, maybe under. Which uh, Braxton was probably a 4-5, maybe. I don't, I don't know what he ran at the NFL combine. I, I mean, and I'm being a scout's take on 4-5. I know he probably had a 4-4 four, four somewhere on a hand time. Uh, I know. He, well, he, Braxton is sub 4-5, dude. I yeah, but Braxton, I'm talking like in the NFL, I don't think Braxton ran that because I remember he tried to play a little receiver, and I don't think his NFL receiver time was – what I, I mean, out of high school, he was a 4-4 guy, maybe faster. I remember saying that about Braxton. But real talk, the NFL stuff, and that's why I'm saying if St. Clair is a 4-7, I mean, I bet you people say he's a 4-5 guy. So I'm being realistic scout talking 40 times here today without stroking anybody. Bill Fountain did produce – NCAC basketball MVP this year, Jack Clement out of Ohio Wesleyan, who led the conference in scoring. Second in scoring, possibly my son. So go ahead here. Let's ask some questions, and we're going to take a quick break. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, (laughs) nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. No more Bell Fountain talk. Uh, unless 
also I was going to say about Bellefontaine. Does every person call it Bellefontaine and then and then correct themselves? I think so. I have done that more times than I wish to uh, share. All right, let's talk about another really interesting crystal ball that was rolled. I think it was rolled from Florida, but you got to really kind of check. That's Elias Rudolph. I have seen a picture of Elias Rudolph in a Deerfield Beach uniform, so that's not a myth. We don't know if he's coming back to Taft. Maybe we, we do know, and Bill will update us. But crystal balls have rolled for Elias Rudolph to attend the University of Michigan. Quite alarming, to me at least. Thought he was going to be a Buckeye, but this is a little bit more of a confusing one, of course. Elias Rudolph, standout, pass rushing, defensive end kind of, I guess you, some people might see him as a stand-up OLB in some some cases, but Taft, Deerfield Beach to Ann Arbor, Bill, is that possible or what's going on here? I think it's possible. I don't know that uh, I'm predicting it right now. I, I, I put my crystal ball early, very early, in for Ohio State on e, uh, Elias Rudolph because, you know, he's uh, following him, talking to him, talking to people around him. He's always loved Ohio State. Now, he made that official visit to Michigan, and they did a great job of selling him selling him on, look at what Michigan's defense has done the last two years. They are there, so to speak. Um, you know, they sold him on, you know, we have the results. There they are. That proves it. Ohio State is going to uh, need to do their selling job. And the good news is he still has his official visit to Ohio State to go, so they get their chance. And obviously Jim Knowles and uh, Larry Johnson are going to have to uh, do their selling job on Ohio State's defense being there. And I think he would be a great candidate if he ends up at Ohio State, by the way, for the Jack position. Yep. you know, he's just a really talented athlete that needs to get bigger and all. But uh, I think that's uh, would be a great position for him at Ohio State. If I'm going to hit your questions here, but Mark, Mark uh, so, or Elias Rudolph, you only get one. I was just going to say when I did the Lightfoot video, it looked like uh, Rudolph's twin brother. It looked like a clone. They're both long. They're both 6'5". They both have rockets in their shoes. They both come off the edge. They both have that stand-up, put-your-hand-down thing going on where if they stay light, they stand up. If they put on weight, they go down. Uh, I take either one. Uh, Lightfoot, I don't know him as well, but he looked like he got after it. I mean, he ran mm-hmm. some people down. Uh, Rudolph, I've covered many a time, so I know exactly what he is, and Every time I see him, he's gone from like a receiver body to a linebacker body to is it a defensive end body now? So you uh, love watching him progress. Uh, hard to pick which one. I, I really, uh, when I did the films, I think my comparison for Lightfoot was Rudolph. You know, like I really, they, they're not in a different box. And, and in recruiting, sometimes I know fans want to say um, there's one better or worse. I'm not copping out here, but these guys are really in the same box. I mean, you, you could beat yourself up as a coach going, which one's better and, and not really being able to, to pick the right one. There's not a great contrast where when I just contrasted uh, the last quarterbacks or other things, yeah, or, or the tight ends, I'm sorry. One was definitely when was the receiver and the other one was the blocker. So this is, they're the exact guy. He, in fact, you, you made them switch uniforms at halftime. You might not know that those guys switch uniforms at halftime. Uh, so yeah, Lightfoot, not a bad 
first or second prize, 1A, 1B. As long as you got one of them, great. If you got two of them, they're fighting for the same spot. So you're almost guaranteed to get a winning player out of it if you took both. Well, Lightfoot's relentless when you watch him on tape. You mentioned that. He has uh, that backside pursuit. A lot of guys kind of let themselves get blocked and get pushed out of the screen. That dude's he's borderline werewolf status for me, which is I, I hold out for the best of the best. But he his motor seems to be excellent. I just haven't seen as much of Rudolph recently, so we will check in on that. All right. By the way, move. by the way, Lightfoot is definitely trending Crystal Ball Ohio State. I had I crystal balled him as soon as he got done with that visit. That official visit to Ohio State, I still like that pick. Uh, I know that Steve Wilfong has also crystal balled him to Ohio State. Alan True has also uh, crystal balled him to Ohio State. So uh, that's uh, certainly been a positive development for Buckeye fans since Lightfoot visited Ohio State. And his coaches, they really like Larry Johnson a lot. I wonder if one may have a little bit of effect on the other. So we'll keep an eye on that. Let's take our first question. We'll get it from Grant, not Mandy Nichol. If you had to predict right now, where does Brandon Baker end up? Baker, of course, the elite offensive lineman from California. Uh, Justin Fry, I know for a fact, really wants this guy. He's getting the full court press. He's visited. Bill, bring us up to speed and answer Grant Nichol's question for us if you can. Grant, thanks for putting in uh, those two words right now when you say if you had to predict. That makes it easy. Right now, I would absolutely pick Ohio State for Brandon Baker. Um, I, I was I was told by someone that uh, coming out of that visit, the official visit last weekend, Brandon Baker had Ohio State number one on his list. So right now, that's an easy choice for me. So why haven't I put that crystal ball pick in for him to Ohio State yet? That's the that's the catch there right now. He's still got two big visits to go. Um, and, you know, we'll see what happens. He's going to go to Texas. He's going to go to Georgia. So Ohio State's got to withstand those two visits, and we'll see what happens. Georgia is even further from California than Ohio, Brandon. I don't know if you knew that, but uh, keep that in mind. Here comes the question from Mika Hanna. I saw a picture of Ryan Day and Brian Robinson on the field together. Do we offer Brian Robinson? You both can weigh in on that one. Mark, go ahead. Take it, Mark. You know what? If uh, we don't get Rudolph or Lightfoot, there's plan B right there. Uh, and, and I think they're going to wait for film. I think I think I read that, actually, what Bill was saying, like or Steve Hellwagon, actually, where – they're going to give him some time, Brian Robinson, to play senior year. He was hurt last year. He came in and out of a few games. So I think they have him on the cooling thing. And I think the Robinson family kind of has the same feelings about Ohio State. They were down there testing the waters, but they didn't work out. They just came down to, I guess, show their love or respect, as they would say, and actually talked to them on the way out because they're a Youngstown family and saw them again at the All-Star game in Youngstown that night. So if you know about the Robinsons, they live out of their car this time of the year. They have been everywhere. I think they were Kentucky the next day. Um, if there's one kid that I know has done his due diligence in the past couple of years, it's Brian Robinson and his dad. They know everybody. They've shaken every hand. They've met every – they know all the deals at each school. I mean, uh, it, it, they're going to be as well-versed. In fact, I may ask them some questions someday if I ever have a kid in that position like 
how do these NIL deals work, NIL deals work or whatever, because they are seeing from a five-star perspective almost what every school has to offer them by position because they, they've been, I think, Bill, I don't know how many schools they've been to, but it's as many as I've seen the uh, father-son combo get to since I've been doing this. They, they, drive more, they drive more miles than I do. Be real. <laughs> what do you think, Bill? Well, um, yeah, they've been to a lot of schools, and I, I agree, Mark. Uh, Ryan Montgomery and his dad, though, might be challenging. They've been, they've been uh, from the state of Washington to uh, South Florida and Georgia, everywhere. So they, they, they could maybe challenge you and the Robinsons for – Well, well uh, played. That, that's a good the, one. The frequent yeah. flyers. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, uh, Robinson, I think you, you, you made a good point, Mark. You know, we'll see. You've got some time because seeing, you know, what happens here and uh, when the season starts uh, and also seeing what happens with Lightfoot and Rudolph, et cetera. Doc Zabo, did we talk about who shined at the Elite 11 already? And I also saw a reference later on to another recruiting service and their rankings. This these are the most subjective rankings you may see all year, the daily quarterback rankings at an event like this. I would take those with a, you know, diamond-sized grain of salt. Um, I can tell you that uh, the 24-7 guys, if I'm going off the top of my head, I know Dylan Riola was the number one guy after the first day. My Aaron Nolan was four. Julian Sand was three. And, Bill, I can't remember what his name is, but the Florida State commit was number two. So that's going on uh, right now out in Redondo Beach. Jeremiah Smith is there. He gave about the longest story you've ever seen on a guy who's committed to Ohio State, for good Lord's sake. He's very versed on what is going on elsewhere. That is for sure. Um, but if you look at the baselines, I'm getting to Jeremiah Smith. Like I said, if I – if Brian Hartline's at Ohio State next year, which we fully expect, um, I totally expect Jeremiah Smith to be there as well. So we'll take that as it goes. Uh, I have I a, a go ahead. I have a I have a parting take. We did we did the Ohio State excuse me we did Ohio State camp Monday, and I had never seen Mylon Graham in person. He's not a state receiver, so just want to give my thoughts on him. Sure. When we do one on ones in camps, it's press man to man. Okay, and if you ask a lot of coordinators, like, hey, what do I call to be press? You're going to get slants. You're going to get go balls. Uh, you're going to get the cheap, cheap routes where you run drags across the field where there's no linebackers on the field because it's a one-on-one, -on -one and you got these receivers running these unrealistic type routes because they know they'll get open. Deep posts. So, so the routes that don't get open against press coverage are like a five-yard hitch. Because why? The guy's smothering you for five yards. You both stop at five yards. He's standing right there. Uh, a little five or ten yard out, uh, you know, these ten-yard comebacks, you don't see those called. You know, it's almost funny that, yeah, we're going to see the same route tree. When Mylon Graham ran his route tree at Ohio State, he did the dirty work. He, he knows how to get open on a five-yard hitch when you're getting smothered. The nuances you have to do to sell that guy that you're on a go route and stop quickly enough to have that 
open, you know, flash for the quarterback on that route. You know, like to run an out route, a 10 yard out route, no one does it against press coverage because it's hard to do unless you know how to set guys up out of the break and, and run a triple fake where you're leveraged. And when I watched him run routes, he was as nuanced as any receiver I've seen run routes in a while. And I know Bill kind of did a blurb where he alluded to it too, but the, the kid's really, you know, going to be a heartline prodigy when he's done. If he's already got this type of advanced nuance to route running and he's just not taking the freebies where I'm just going to go three stops, slant inside and, box someone out for a free catch to look good. He caught balls on routes that you don't typically see versus press coverage where I think I just gushed about him enough. I'll, I'll slide my chips in on him now. So nice to see him work out on Monday. And he did it against some quality defensive backs. It's been a while for me. The, the defensive back who started Alabama and is now in the Broncos, that's Pat Sertan senior, junior. Junior. Okay. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys remember this, but, the year Ohio State lost to Alabama most recently in the championship game, they were on, I think, the two- or three-yard line. He was in press man on Garrett Wilson, and Wilson separated from him and got a yard on him into the end zone with about two moves. Now, unfortunately, Justin Fields overthrew him. But to me, when you were going back and looking at the tape for the draft for Garrett Wilson, if you're separating on the goal line from – you know, an NFL elite defensive back that well, that shows why Garrett Wilson is now being mentioned where he is, uh, you know, in the NFL. And I think I got a little Garrett Wilson vibes from Mylon Graham. They're kind of that, that wiry strength frame, but so smooth and maybe don't look as explosive as you think, but they're just always open hand catchers. So. Oh, and I was just going to say that if I was to point out one more thing, you said hand catchers, yep. hand catcher away from the body. Uh, I told Bill, like, look how he goes out, like, out here yeah. to get everything. He doesn't catch him with his hands in here. He attacks the ball knowing that there's people coming. And, you know, so strong hands, I'd say, for him. And it's hard to see that, you know, just one-on-ones when you're not doing 50-50 balls. But very impressed with him. And, and you can see the little things in him. Sure. I think that'll do it, people. 33 minutes. For this trio, we probably all need a nap. That won't happen. These guys are going to now hop in their steeds and head for Columbus. There will be coverage there all day, as we mentioned. A little bit warmer there today, a little bit more normal. We'll see how guys do when they're sweating. But like we said, if you haven't already, please subscribe to the YouTube page. If you have made it this far on the podcast and you are not subscribed, that genuinely hurts Bill's feelings. So don't do that. We appreciate these guys stopping by. Keep it locked up, Bucknuts, all day. Have a good one, Bucknutters. Bucknuts.